This is episode 30 with Kim Ades. Welcome to the Bold and Brave podcast. I'm your host, Hope, motivational writer and adult psychologist, and I'm here to remind you that the power lies within you, that your belief system is up to you. And once we listen to what our heart center truly desires, together we discover bold and brave. Each week, I bring you experts from around the world where we move into what it now feels like to reframe our thoughts and patterns that disserve us and hold us back from achieving what truly lies within. If you want to listen to my episodes first before I release them anywhere else, you have to head to my Instagram page, Bold and Brave with Hope Devaney. Click on the link on my bio and then you can download your episode. And anyone who would like to leave me a review of the week, I would be so grateful and excited to receive that from you. And I would love to gift you with my Manifesting with Hope Meditation Guide. Kim Ades has 16 years of experience helping leaders master their thinking to yield extraordinary results for their organizations. Kim is also the author of What You Focus On Grows. Her personalized programs, coaching, and products are game changers for her clients. In today's episode, Kim takes us back to the very beginning before this journey began for Kim. Kim Ades works with executives, entrepreneurs, leaders, business owners, and other highly driven people to help them reach new levels of accomplishments and to live extendingly successful lives. Generosity, intimacy, leadership, personal development, and integrity are the frame of mind coaching team's core values. As such, The Frame of Mind Certified Coaches focus on the study and examination of a client's thoughts, beliefs, past experiences, and perspectives in order to make sense of the results that they keep getting. We also discuss transformations that leaders experience under the hand of Kim Ades and her coaches and how we can learn these successful thinking strategies to become the most successful leaders. Kim shares with us the roles and responsibilities and how to get crystal clear if we want to become mentors, coaches and leaders and so much more. So without further ado, I introduce you to Kim Ades. Now, before we dive in, what's yep. your what's your go-to order at your favorite hometown restaurant? Oh wow. Right now we're ordering from a place called Maron. Maron. <laughs> Maron Brothers. So I'm in Toronto, right? And so Maron Brothers is a Middle Eastern restaurant where they um, hook you up. Well, we, we place really big orders so that they cost like $500 and we buy a whole bunch of like grilled meat that we just like eat. Right. (laughs) So that, right. So we add vegetable salad, whatever, but we have it and it's delicious. And, you know, we're trying to eat kind of like a low carb experience. So just having meat on hand is a great thing. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. Kim, you have 15 years of experience helping leaders master their thinking to yield extraordinary results for their organizations. And you also are the author of What You Focus On Grows. Your personalized programs, coaching and products are game changers for your clients. Kim, 15 years leading the leaders. Can you take us back to the beginning? Where were you before you began this journey? Well, uh, what happened was I used to own a software company and we used to build simulation-based assessments. And the purpose of those assessments was to help companies make better hiring decisions. And at the time I had two business partners and our company grew, like it, it grew quickly and we did very, very well. One of the business partners is my ex-husband. So I had uh, an interesting personal experience in having a relationship that kind of fell apart while I was running a business with him. And it was a tough time. And one of the things that I did to handle that difficulty was that I journaled all the time, just to kind of keep my head above water. My greatest goal at the time was to figure out how to go through divorce with as much grace as possible. And sometimes that's just a hard thing to to do. Um, I ended up selling my company and like I sold my shares and my ex-husband took over the business and I didn't know what to do with myself. I just didn't know. 
And I ended up uh, getting recruited very quickly to a coaching company. So let me kind of go back. We owned a software company and the purpose of that software company was to help businesses make better hiring decisions. And so we ended up testing so many people to figure out what's the difference between top performing leaders and other people. Like what is the key characteristic? Is it their personality? Is it their IQ? Is it their education, their skill set, their background? Like what is it exactly? And you know, depending on the roles, different things came into play. But one of the things we discovered was that regardless of the role, there was one key characteristic that stood out amongst all others, like one element that really played a significant role in predicting top performance. And it was consistent regardless of the industry and regardless of the position. And that was if a person had a high degree of emotional resilience, they would be much more likely to succeed than other people. And so that was played a big role in what happened as I moved forward. I went into this coaching company and I thought, wow, this is going to be for me. And I watched how they coached and I thought, there's something wrong with this picture. I don't think they're doing it right. <laughs> and, and really what they did was they focused on this concept of accountability. Are you familiar with that concept? Yes. And, you know, what they would do is they would you know, help people create a business plan. In other words, they would say, okay, here are the, let's call it 10 things you need to do in order to succeed. And as your coach, I'm going to hold you accountable and make sure you get those things done. And inside my belly, I felt like something's wrong with this picture. People know what to do. They're just not doing it. The question is why, why not? Like what's really getting in the way? Is it the plan? Is it that they don't know how to create an agenda? Is it that, like, what is it? Yeah. And I realized that it really has to do with their degree of emotional resilience, their mental toughness. And when we look at, sorry, I'm talking a lot. I'll pause for a minute. I love it. It's, it, I, I love it, Kim. No, you, you go ahead. I was just going to say that I really love the fact that you said that everyone knows what to do. That is so true. And, and I think that sometimes we get this 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 pattern of thinking that we don't have the answers and we don't know what we're doing, but that that's it. It's exactly what you just said, Kim. We do have the answers and we do know what we're doing. We just need to know how and have a little bit more direction and, and people like yourself who can bring it out of us and, and, and can see exactly and clearly as day, once we get clear about what we want, then we can have you know, and, and everything. And I was just going to mention as well, Kim, in your executive coaching approach, one of the things that you say is that our thinking is the single most important factor that impacts our success. And right. if and when we see ourselves at the present point in our life, where we currently are now in our lives, and we decide, okay, I am ready to get to there. That's my desired point. That's where I want to get to. How does our thinking ultimately determine that success? You know, our thinking determines what we do and what we don't do. And if we go one step further, it's more specifically our beliefs. So the thoughts that we have over and over again form our beliefs. So you've heard the expression, if you believe you can, you're right. And if you believe you can't, you're also right. Right. So you know, have you ever heard of Simon Sinek? I think he talks about like, start with why, what's your purpose? Like, why are you trying to achieve mm -hmm. what you're trying to achieve? Have you ever heard of that? Yes. So, I mean, my philosophy is this, like my why, your why, her why, his why, it's all the same. Why do we want anything? It's because we believe that it's going to result in fulfillment, happiness, satisfaction, something better than now. Our why is all the same. All of us, we all have the same why. Maybe it looks different, but ultimately it's the same reason. My question is, what's your why not? What's standing in the way? And usually what's standing in the way are these hidden beliefs that we can't see that we don't even know exist. And my job is to help us understand, help my clients understand what are their hidden beliefs that are playing tricks on them, that are sabotaging them, that are really truly getting in the way of their ability to not only reach their goals, but just simply have a life that they love. 
So mm. that's what I'm interested in. Mm, and being able to show them the, the big picture. Well, it, it, you know what? Sometimes we can see the big picture, but we can't get to the big picture. Why? Because there are all these little niggly, again, hidden beliefs that act as traps on our journey. Yes, that's what they are, Kim, aren't they? They're traps. They try and <laughs> get a, pull us down and say no. Right. But it's 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 just we can we can we can make that decision. We get to decide exactly. whether we fall in or not. Exactly. So, you know, we see some of the most extraordinary leaders, people who are running like twenty million dollar companies, and they still fall into traps. They still get stuck. They still cannot necessarily see the patterns of behavior and belief that they fall into over and over and over again, personally and professionally. Like they just can't see it. Mm. Kim, you work with executives, entrepreneurs, leaders, business owners, as we were saying, and other very highly driven people. Personally, myself, I'm very highly driven. I've always been that way from as far back as I can remember. It's just something that's been a part of me and I've always had that burning fire within me, even if even if the flame changed direction, so to speak, I trusted it and I still went with it. We see a lot of finished product in society today, a lot of quick fixes, opportunities to quickly become something or someone, which if I didn't have that understanding now of my path and what my purpose is, my, my vision purpose is, I would be very... I would be very intimidated and, and quite uncertain um, of my next steps forward. What kind of transitions do these leaders experience, Kim? And how can we learn these strategies to become the most successful leaders that we can be? Yeah, let me give you a, an example. It's, a, it's, a best, it's the best way to kind of really demonstrate what I'm talking about. Literally two days ago, I had a conversation with this man. It was my first ever conversation. And he told me about all the things happening in his world. He started off like this. Now I've been running this company for the past 18 years. And, you know, for 16 of those years, I was running it with a partner and it grew. And our revenues were anywhere between 15 and $20 million a year. We did really, really well. Two years ago, my partner decided he wanted to retire. And I listened to the advice of my CFO and it didn't create a transition plan. So suddenly I was responsible for this company and, you know, I didn't get prepared for this role. And now I'm also responsible for sales. And there's just a lot on my plate. And suddenly our sales are plummeting, our revenues are plummeting, our profitability is plummeting. And, you know, like suddenly we're in the red for the first time in our lives. On top of all of this, um, I just discovered, you know, like a while back, about a year ago, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer and oh by the way she was having an affair and I have two kids and they're a wreck and one of them just came out to me okay so mm -hmm. understand this is the picture my question to this man oh wait a second let me go back because not only she cheated on me she cheated on me with my best friend <sighs> big picture right lots going on here my question to him was okay so wow lots of moving parts what do you think your priority is here he said, marketing. What? <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> and what? I said, I said, you don't have a marketing problem. You have a leadership problem. And here's the thing is that leaders, and, and this is one example, right? Leaders believe that they need to go take massive action to fix their problems. How many times have we heard about taking massive action? <laughs> mm. Right? Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's the solution to all problems. Take massive action. You can't expect to get results without massive action. Except here's the thing. In all organizations, the way a leader thinks will trickle down to the organization. So what we see in this case is a man who has severe blind spots personally and professionally. Mm -hmm. And those blind spots are, are repeated. Like they're a pattern for him. And so before he goes and takes massive action from a place of fear and chaos and desperation, which by the way, will only lead to more chaos, mm. right? What I want him to do is kind of slow down and understand the role he plays in the decisions that have been made 
and understand where he gets trapped over and over and over again and create an adjustment. So he's not creating the past repeatedly. Mm. So just for, for me to understand, ultimately what you're doing is taking people into this space and you're allowing them to see that what they may have believed previously and those, those constructs that they have, they have built for themselves, they don't have to be beliefs that we need to hold on to forever. And they may not have, even when they were constructed, they may not have been solid beliefs because when we are young or, you know, when we are, let's just go back to when we're, when we're growing up and that's, that's the time that we're, we're developing and we're making these decisions for ourselves and we're seeing from our perspective how we're going to decide how we view the world. But then when we grow up and, and mature, but we're not growing out of those belief systems, we're not able to see that growth that we've had and how we've changed as a person and that we're not that child anymore. We're not that teenager anymore. We're not that, that person in their twenties anymore or thirties. It doesn't matter where we are in our life from where we were to where we are now. We have to recognize the growth and adapt to the growth as well. So I'm going to translate. So you're right. We're not the same people. And what got us here won't get us there, right? Like what got us to this level of achievement, the thinking that it took to get us to this level of achievement won't take us to the next level of achievement. Having said that, this is the greatest problem in leadership is that leaders don't have a mechanism to become aware of the beliefs they had to get them here. They're just not aware. They don't know how to look at them, that nobody was ever taught this skill of self-reflection, leadership development, and really going back and looking at the beliefs that created progress and the beliefs that created struggle, right? Like nobody was taught this. We were taught how to read, we were taught how to write, we were taught how to do math, but we were never taught the relationship between our thinking and our outcomes. And so when I work with leaders, you know, they think that we're here to create a business plan. I'm like, no, that's not my job. You have the capacity and the, the, the capability to create a business plan. You're a strategist. You're a leader. You're brilliant. You don't need me for that. You need me to help you learn a skill you never learned. You need me to help you look at yourself in a way you've never seen yourself before. You mm. need me to help you find the beliefs that are getting in the way of your progress. And you need me to help you learn how to trade in those beliefs for something far more powerful, something far more useful. That's my oh. job. Oh, Kim, God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> Just to give you a little, a little insight into my work-life balance, I've never actually had a good one, to be honest. Okay. And, and it's because it wasn't until I you know, started doing something that was an alignment for me, my interests, my wants, my desires, that that balance started to make a little bit more sense. Kim, you do not recommend finding a work-life balance. And I'm so intrigued. Can you take <laughs> us through this? <laughs> well, it's so funny, right? Like I, I just, I see things a little bit differently and I, and I always question what are people after? What is the convention? You know, um, so the convention is that people are looking for balance, right? That's what we seek ultimately in life, balance. But I think to myself, like, what happens when things are balanced? Like, think of two kids in a, on a, in a playground or on a seesaw. What happens when things are perfectly balanced? Nothing moves. Nothing, <laughs> right? It's still. Mm. And so the truth is that we are not looking for a life of stillness. We're not looking for a life of balance. We're looking for a life with moments of balance so we could catch our breath periodically. But ultimately, we're looking for the highs and lows because that's what gives us experience. That's what makes our lives rich. So this whole idea that we're, we should be seeking balance, I think, is really flawed. It's, it's misguided. And there are lots of things like that that I see where people are searching, reaching for things that are contrary to what they're really after. Yes. 
I'll Kim, give you another one. You want another yes, one? Yes, please. Yes, yes. Have you ever heard of healthy boundaries? Yes. Yes. Oh. <laughs> right? But what is a boundary? A boundary is like a line you place in the sand that, in the sand that says you should not cross this line. So when I create a boundary, what am I focused on? Am I focused on what I want or what I don't want? What you don't want. What I don't want. So in my world, I don't want to create boundaries. I want to tear down boundaries. And what I want to do is turn my attention to that which I want, as opposed to creating all these walls and boundaries and safety regions, just in case something terrible might enter my world. Yeah. a healthy way to live. Yes, Kim, that's exactly right. And I really, really appreciate what you just said about, you know, when we create boundaries for ourselves, we're focusing on what we don't want. We need to reframe. We need to reframe our thinking. We're we're living out of a space of 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 trying to protect ourselves and and not step out or fall or you know, it's it's. Why, we don't need these these boundaries. We need to jump more and 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 let go and and not worry about what ground's going to catch us because it'll always catch us. Well, and and not only that, when we're focused on what we don't want, what happens? We tend to keep experiencing what we don't want. Mm. We tend to give that our focus and attention, and so that keeps showing up over and over again. That's what we're putting into the, that's what we're asking for. And that's what we're getting back. Right. When we spend our lives paying, you know, looking for good deeds, for example, we find them. When we spend our lives looking for evil, we'll find that too. Absolutely. Kim, if we already, if we already know that we want to mentor, coach, become leaders. How can we get crystal clear about our roles and responsibilities as a leader before we start? Well, I think that, um, you know, I teach people how to coach. I teach coaches how to coach and I teach leaders how to coach. And I think from my perspective, based on all the data we've collected over the years, is that extraordinary leaders need to have effective coaching skills. They need to have that. Unfortunately, a lot of leaders don't really understand what is coaching and what they need to do in the coaching process. So they tend to make a few critical mistakes as they coach and as they lead. And I I put leadership and coaching in a bit of the same category. Mm -hmm. So what are the mistakes they make? Number one is um, they focus on action. They focus on the doing. So when they speak to their employee or their teammate, they say, here's what you need to do right? Mm. Instead of here's how you need to think. Mm. So that's thing number one. Thing number two is leaders tend to be solution. uh, They tend to jump to solution, right? So they say, oh, this is the problem. I have the answer. Mm -hmm. And in the coaching process, we don't always need to have the answer. What we really need to do is do the work of understanding beliefs. So as a leader, my job isn't to come up with a bunch of solutions. My job is to help my employee to see how their thinking might be preventing them from accessing a variety of solutions. So for example, they might say, well, what we really need to do is, you know, increase our exposure. The problem is we don't have enough money. So my job as a leader is to say, so your belief is that we need all this money in order to achieve this goal. And your belief is we can't have access to money. There is no access to money. What if there was access to money? Where might we look? Mm. And if we didn't have access to money, what can we still do to increase our exposure without needing to spend dollars? Is there another currency we can use? Yes. Right? So, right? And just as an example. Now, the third mistake that leaders make, you're going to be a little bit surprised at this one, is that leaders tend to have a little bit too much empathy. So let me describe what that is. Are you, are you saying what? Yes, please go ahead. So let's really define empathy because it's another term that most people do not really understand. Empathy is putting yourself in the shoes of someone else and feeling their emotional state. So empathy isn't understanding what someone's going through. It's literally an emotional experience where you feel what they're feeling. So let's pretend I'm walking by a park and I see someone drowning in a pool. 
how do they feel? Mm. Well, they need help for sure. Yeah, but what, what's their emotion? Scared. They're scared. They're panicked. Fearful, they're, yeah. they're, they're, you know, in a state of fear, right? Mm. So if I suddenly have empathy, then I feel scared, panicky, in a state of fear. And the moment I take on those emotions is the moment I disable myself from being able to help them. Mm. So I'm saying have compassion. There's someone drowning in a pool, right? Like, <laughs> don't just walk by. But <laughs> empathy doesn't serve us in this moment. What we need to do is say, hey, there's someone drowning. I need to help them. But I need to stand solidly on the outside of the pool and reach in and pull them out. In order for me to be able to do that, I need to have a belief in myself and I need to have a little bit of a vision that they can be out of the pool. Yes, I see. Right? So, so empathy is a trap. And so all over the world, we talk about empathetic leadership. But the truth is that leaders need to see beyond that. Leaders need to have vision that they need to notice someone struggling and be able to see them far beyond the struggle. If I cannot see you far beyond the struggle, I should not be your leader. I should not coach you because what I've done is I've gotten caught in your struggle and instantly my leadership has been disabled. Absolutely. Wow. That's, um, that's a very interesting and clear way of describing it. Once you told me the story, like about the walking past someone, if they're drowning in a pool and actually thinking about, you know, from a point of, of empathy that that is so true because myself, I, and for most of my life, I've always been able to feel people like actually like I'm having the experience and it's been very, very difficult to separate that because when you can feel something and you almost feel like it's become your own, that's where it can get dangerous. And it's, it's hard. Ex- it's not, it's not, yeah. it's not a strong place to live in. No, no, but it makes, it makes perfect sense, Kim, because as you're saying, if, if, if the person on the outside has jumped into the story, then how are they going to be able to get you out? Exactly. And, and how can another- they lead you through that? They can't. Right. Exactly. And there's another weird little piece to it and that I've never actually ever spoken about except for, for right now is it truly possible for me to put myself in your shoes? I am not you. I don't have your genes. I don't have your experience. I don't have your parents. I don't have your upbringing. Mm -hmm. I don't have your environment. I don't have your life. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's almost disrespectful to imagine that I could put myself in your shoes. Yeah. Yeah. And say, I get you. Mm. Yeah, because the truth is you can't really get someone. I can't. You can't. You can only get yourself. Kim, you are the author of a book titled What We Focus On Grows, and I love this because it reminds me of the saying, the grass is always greener, which they say, and of course the grass never is greener on the other side. Right. Kim, why did you decide to write a book, and what, what, what is it about? Just, I'm, I'm very my, my goal in life is to always offer the opportunity for people to see things through a different lens. You know, to see everything you're always seeing and thinking about in one way to say, hey, maybe there's a possibility that's a, that it's another way. And to kind of enlarge life through expanded perspective. And as I do that, I'm challenging people's beliefs. And so this book is a book of short stories about normal, regular things that are happening in life. Sometimes stories about my kids, sometimes stories about people I meet on the street, sometimes stories about things I've observed or heard or things in the news Mm -hmm. that allow people to try on a different perspective and challenge their own beliefs. It's easy to read. It's the kind of book where you can open it on any page and just start reading a story. Every story is one or two pages. Um, They're fun. They're light. They're easy. Super easy read. 
Oh, I'm so excited to, um, to get stuck into it. I, as soon as um, I was researching you and I saw that you had a book, I was like, yes, <laughs> cannot wait. Kim, your reviews speak for themselves. Can you take us through frame of mind coaching and everything that comes under that for you? Yeah. So I've, again, you said 15 years, but it's like now 16 years we've been doing uh, frame of mind coaching. I have a team of coaches and we work with the highly driven population. And how do we coach people? That's a question, right? So typically leaders like to move very fast and speed is very important to us. So what we do is we create a very intense experience that allows them to gain traction quickly and move at a very rapid pace. So there's a call every week. We record every call and we ask our clients to listen to the recording. Why? So that they can start to listen to themselves, hear how they speak, the words they use, the stories they tell over and over again, pay attention to their emotional reactions to things and start to become an observer of how they think and what they believe to be true. The second thing we do is we ask our clients to journal in a private and secure online journal with their coach every single day. So it's very intense. It's a very intimate. They start off with a journaling question at the beginning of the week. And every time they journal, their journal goes back to their coach who reads and responds to the journal with more questions, inquiries, probing, suggestions, etc. And so the relationship that happens between the coach and the client is very, it's different. It's different from most coaching relationships. It's, it's much tighter. Why? Because my belief is that if you don't trust me fully, you're not take, getting in the boat with me and you're not going to row with me. We're not going on a journey together. And you're, the, the experience is going to be rough and full of resistance. So that intimacy, that relationship is very important. But also when you journal every day as a coach, I get a huge amount of data that helps me understand who you are and how you're wired. And it helps me really see the traps you fall into over and over again what your beliefs are, what your values are, what your perspectives are, what your experiences are. And with that data, I'm able to help you move at a much, much faster rate. Oh, wow. How beautiful. I just, I love everything that you're doing, Kim. I love your approach and I love your honesty and your integrity. And I just think it's, it's wonderful that we have people like yourselves that are in the world doing such beautiful and honest work for us all. Thank you. And to all of our listeners listening now, I'm going to be leaving all of the links to Kim's websites and contact platforms um, in the show notes that you, so that you can get in contact with her. Kim, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. You have given us some very inspiring and soulful knowledge. If it's okay with you, I would love to fire off three final bold, bold and brave questions to you if I can. Go for it. <laughs> so my first question to you, thank you, Kim, is what's your next bold and brave thing that you're going to do for yourself? for myself on a personal level? Yeah. So I just wrote a blog about, and it's called my internal battle. And it's about how so many things in my life are really great, except that I have trouble with my weight. And so my next journey is to take care of that. And I've tried all kinds of things, but I'm not giving up. And so that's what I'm taking care of now. How fabulous. And will you be blogging about your experience and your journey? You know, I, I, I do journal personally and privately. So I have that. I created one article that went out that I, you know, kind of held my breath before I sent. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking today that maybe I'll, I'll write about it again, maybe once or twice. I don't think I'm going to like make it a public experience, but I will update people for sure. Oh, absolutely. That would be fantastic to follow as well. Kim, what's your, what's your envision? What do you envision for, for our world? So for me, I mean, my hope is this, is that there's so much chatter out there, so much frustration, so much anxiety, so much anger with one another, so much like, just, you know, people who are filled with, you know, just, this whole idea of we're looking outside of ourselves at what other people are doing and getting upset, angry, frustrated, pissed off all the time, all the time, all the time. Mm -hmm. So for me, it would be a much more beautiful world if we stopped doing that. In other words, let's take responsibility for how we show up in the world. And let's look in the mirror and say, hey, are we putting our best foot forward? Are we being positive? Are we smiling when we walk down the street? Are we being friendly? Are we being warm? 
Are we being the kind of people we want to see in the world? And so for me, it's this whole idea of helping leaders in particular take responsibility for how they show up. Oh, I love that, Kim. Taking responsibility for ourselves. I love that saying. I think it's so powerful and it's definitely something that we all need to be saying to ourselves right now, especially during this time. My final question to you, Kim, is what's your next mission? So uh, my next mission, my, my belief is that there are, there are a lot of coaches out there and I am not really sure how they coach without the use of a journal. So I'd like to see more people journaling and I'd like to see more coaches using a journal with their clients. Cause for me, it's a game changer. It's revolutionary. It allows you to go deep quickly and really, really help your client experience what I would call transformational results. So what we're doing is we're exposing coaches in the world to this method of coaching and inviting them to learn more about how journaling can really transform their businesses and the lives of their clients. That's fantastic. Kim, I have absolutely loved chatting with you today. You are serving and graciously guiding us back into our heart space with such integrity and it's just, it's really heartwarming and thank you from, from, from myself. Thank you for, for what you're doing with us. One last question. I would love to know how I can give back to you today. Well, I love your spirit. I love your energy. And for me, I would love to stay in touch and I would love to keep talking. And maybe after this podcast is over, pick up another conversation that's not on a podcast. I would love to do that, Kim. I would absolutely love to keep in contact with you. Definitely. Wow. I was just thinking that. Kim Ades, um, what a soul. I was going to ask you, you, can we thank keep you, in contact? Thank you, <laughs> thank you for joining me on Kim, my show today. Thank you so and much thank you for, everyone for being for on the showing show today. I'm so grateful to the and offering space to thank Kim and myself to really sit and be present with us and take in and absorb all of that beautiful information and knowledge that is going to do us absolute wonders in the world moving forward for ourselves, for our relationships, business partners, whatever it is moving forward in our life. This is the conversation that we need to be having more of. And I'm so grateful and I'm so happy that I get to share this with you and be a platform where I get to share Kim Ades with the world. If you got a lot out of today, please subscribe to my podcast and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app. So then we can continue to empower one another and shine light on these important topics. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for being brave. Thank you for having the courage. And thank you for being you.